Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by National Geographic Documentary Films and Nightcrawlers. From the Academy Award-winning producer of The White Helmets, The Nightcrawlers is an unflinching expose with unprecedented access following a small group of determined photojournalists on a mission to reveal the true cost of the deadly war on drugs waged by Filipino President Rodrigo Duterte. This episode is also brought to you by National Geographic Documentary Films Lost and Found. From Academy Award-winning director of The White Helmets, Orlando von Einsiedel, Lost and Found is an inspiring and heroic story that follows Kamal Hussein, a Rohingya refugee who has dedicated his life to reuniting children with their parents after the ethnic cleansing perpetuated by the Myanmar military drove out more than 700,000 from their homes, separating thousands of families along the way. Premieres this fall. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. And Ann, as we record, I'm back in New York. You're wrapping up your time in Toronto. And last time we spoke, we were just getting into it. As we're recording now, they haven't announced the audience winner, which will obviously have some connotations for you know what movie really came out on top at TIFF. But we've seen a lot of stuff, so so let's get into it. First and foremost, Joker. Best picture or what? I loved Joker. And based on my utter appreciation for the skill and craft that went into this movie, not to mention the extraordinary performance by Joaquin Phoenix, um, which should not be detracted from because he had a tough time delivering the performance during the movie shoot. You know, there's all these reports about how he, like, walked off the set and stuff. I can imagine that an actor like Joaquin, who takes things very seriously and digs deep, it was probably really difficult for him. This is a movie that could exist separate from the DC universe. Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, it is a legit DC universe kind of a movie. I think the thing about Joker that I found fascinating... Wait, 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 wait. What makes it a legitimate DC movie? Because I don't think it really... I don't actually... Legitimate or not legitimate, it could... Agree with me that it could exist apart from that world. I think that the way in which it's been described as that is is misleading because, to me, it felt very much like a dark, brooding Batman movie, an exceptionally well-made and well-acted one. But to try to elevate this movie in some ways outside of that context, I think, doesn't really capture the extent to which it is playing off of an iconic character and the universe he exists in. I mean, you have a young Bruce Wayne in the movie. It's not a big spoiler that's been tossed around. And even if they're saying that... Yeah, but if you took him out, the movie would still work. 
Yeah, he doesn't it, need to. Be, that's window dressing. Basically, the way I look at this is they hitched a ride. I, I they don't, hitched I, a ride on IP that was established in order to I, make a '70s original movie I don't that agree, otherwise would totally. not be able to be made by a major studio at this I, budget level. That's maybe. what it really is. Well, but they're they're making they're they're making superhero movies all the time, so I don't know if that's totally true. But I also think that we need people you know, to make smart movies like this. But, but I think if you look at reactions to Joker, okay, the movie is not perfect, and people have said you know the screenplay isn't as good as the performance. I agree to some degree, but I think that um, the movie it, it's it's a bit blunt in terms of how it explores issues of mental illness and the way in blunt? which Joker... In what way do you defend? It is what, very what, what does that it mean? Is, because, I mean, they're, they're very specific Blunt in moments. what way? I'm going to explain to you, and it's blunt in the way that it, it, it sort of crafts a character from the outset uh, in almost a schematic fashion, losing his mind. And and, and the thing is, it's, it's okay, because that maximalist approach merges with the tradition of comic book storytelling that it's playing off of. And that's why it, it, I think it works actually quite well. And is I don't see this movie as a comic book storytelling it totally exercise is. And in I think we're going to have to, we're going to be arguing about this all season because this movie. You either look be, at it as part of that universe or you look at it as a movie in its own right. No, and I, I think don't think both. you have to put it in there. I don't think I you think do. Both. And I don't think that it's, it's a knock on the movie to put it in there either. So. I didn't say it was a knock on the movie. I'm not trying to elevate the movie i'm trying to get i'm trying to say that the movie shouldn't be looked at through that lens it can be looked at a different way yeah well well so i think this is going to be an interesting question in the weeks ahead you know it's the movie seems to be tracking really well just how well, there is some be- stuff out there though obviously i can see the tsunami of negative stuff about to occur well, the, the question the is people just people who don't much... think that it's a, who don't think it's a viable DC movie in the sense that they want it to be. Well, I guess the question is just how much is this going to be also a controversial uh, sort of firestorm in the sense that it, it, you know, people are making the argument that it could instigate violence or that it sympathizes with a lunatic and all that kind of stuff. And that's as it, it sort of is playing in this morally ambiguous territory. I did appreciate what it was doing. Wait, 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 wait. Explain why it's in morally no, 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 ambiguous don't, don't. territory. We, we, we should move on from this to the other. We have a lot of movies to discuss here. But what I want to say as a point of transition here is as much as I think that Joker is, you know, do, doing something that I think is a little subversive in the sense that it's it's sort of engaging with, you know, a mentally disturbed mind and trying to at least understand the conditions that that create something like that. I I thought that it was much more um, ambitious than what Jojo Rabbit was doing, and we should talk about that movie, which I think I'm going to agree more, with you there. I think Joker I, is way more ambitious than Jojo Rabbit. So Jojo let, Rabbit is is a a comedy satire. It's making fun of of Hitler. It's making fun of Nazis. It's it's got a certain tone that go ricochets around, and it doesn't work. It's enjoyable. It it's actually played really well for audiences. At the same time that it's skipping lightly over this subject. You took it very seriously in your review, and I I understand why, but um, I also think that Taika Waititi was very brave in He's just going for director, it. And I, and I want to applaud that, absolutely. I just think that the, the problem is that the... the he didn't seriously of, consider the results of what he did. The kind of sunny disposition of the movie and the way in which the Nazis are reduced to these kind of 
dopey characters I felt just was was too simplistic it didn't it didn't it didn't work for me even as I could appreciate the extent to which you know his filmmaking chops came through and I think it's unfortunate but hopefully you know he'll he'll keep at it it's not he's he's the kind of director I want to see succeed it's just that this movie let me down to some degree it's interesting to look at him and and look at you know from from uh hunt of of the wilder people and and which was a much more realistic naturalistic kind of lovely uh sweet he has a human uh sweetness uh, very humanistic side to him um and then and then the outrageous comedy of of thor ragnarok um i this is coming from it's a surprise and i don't and he's had such success from the beginning in his life that i don't think he's ever felt this kind of pushback from from the press before so so it'll be interesting to see exactly how much that actually affects the movie which seems like it could be commercial it but... may be that the, that searchlight can turn it into a commercial movie but i i would suggest to you that when something is at 49 on metacritic uh it's pretty rare i mean bohemian rhapsody was in this territory actually uh so i don't know i was wrong about that but i would say that jojo rabbit needs critics to get where it needs to go if it's ever going to be an awards film and i can't see any acting prizes coming out of it for example and and the fact that he's sort of channeling wes anderson is another aspect of this that i found a little disturbing yeah i mean the thing is it's his own look well the thing is he if you look at some of the films he he made before he he was so so big, like Boy, for example. He, there is something Wes Anderson-y about his style, so you know maybe it's a little unfair to to put him entirely in that box because they have a certain stylistic kinship. But it did feel out of sync to some degree. I think so. So let's talk about Just Mercy because that was one that I think had a lot of expectations on it that it could play really big here, and I think it just played okay. So what happened? I agree with that. Um, well, what you have is uh, Dustin. I always do this. Cretton, Dustin Daniel Cretton. I want to say Dustin Daniel. Dustin Daniel Cretton, who is a very good filmmaker, and I loved Short Term 12. Um, yeah, exactly. This okay. movie is very straightforward. It's just one of those things where you go, okay, there's the story, there's the script, and there's the direction. There's nothing distinctive about it, and there's some good performances, and it's a good story. So you end up with Jamie Foxx and... Uh, Michael B. Jordan, who are excellent in this, and um, I'm afraid that it's underwritten for the character played by Brie uh, Larson, who, of course, was in Short Term 12. I I don't understand um, why the movie was allowed to be so bare bones, straightforward. That's that's basically my criticism. It's a very it. um, it's a very old school kind of old fashioned courtroom drama, and it and it does feel sort of obvious to some extent there's a lot of like big monologues that could have been cut down to have other kinds of more intimate scenes that would get you more invested in that story it is well acted by michael b jordan and jamie fox in particular i think that what what i was thinking about as i was watching was short term 12 was also about you know an institution that's sort of not doing what it's supposed to do and the passionate people who try to fix it so it 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 is sort of like the logical film that he should have made to be bigger. It's just that, like you say, somehow at a certain point in time, nobody said we need this to be deeper if it's going to work. And they focused on just working with what they had, though it did play well at the festival. It's just that a lot of audiences I talked to with who were more discerning, you know, kind of acknowledged that 
the movie wasn't as good as sort of the message itself. Well, let's just call out the fact that's that a lot of movies play well in Toronto. I mean, that's the thing. The audience yes, it is a movie love. There's a reason everybody brings their their movies here. And there's and a it's reason exciting why to Jojo there. Rabbit was yeah. the place that Fox wanted it to, to be. There was a reason, reason right. for that. No, um, that's a good point. Although, so something like Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, that, that was actually interesting because that's a movie that would have played well probably at TIFF, even if it was not great and, and it I, was I, great I, it I was really, really liked, good yeah well because mario heller's just such she's a, good, a very like, good director she, i mean it, she it, should it, have been it, nominated uh, last year she should be in the conversation but the thing is this movie you know yes it's tom hanks is mr rogers and that's like the most obvious casting you could ask for but he is a supporting character in a story that's more about matthew reese interviewing him and the thing is like as it gets more and more into that story and this cranky journalist comes out of his shell her filmmaking surprises you. Like there are certain key sequences that are more emotional than I think you might expect them to be. It's a very carefully calibrated, detailed directing job, and it, it is beautifully, beautifully done. Um, and Hanks is good as Fred he's Rogers, really but he's really the agent that of change for this yeah. other character who's locked down and caught in an old family drama. Chris Cooper's very good also. Um, I think this is a movie that's going to play very well and very widely, and it will be an Oscar contender. The question is, is it a Tom Hanks Oscar contender or is it all across the board? That's that's going to we, we need to see how it plays in, in, in the in the world. We need to we need to see how it plays out over time. But he'll get nominated. Tom Hanks will get nominated. I'm afraid the director category uh, is very jammed. So this has to do really well for Heller to get in there. Well, and she went through all this with Can You Ever Forgive Me, where everybody just talked about these other aspects of the movie and not how well directed it is. And she works in this register that it, it, where it's almost like too easy to dismiss what the filmmaker is doing versus the other things. And then, of course, there is this question of, is it because she's a woman, which, which should be talked about because it's not cool if that's the case. And she needs she's still a, a fairly young filmmaker on the rise, but it's also somebody who with three films has shown that she is very much her own kind of filmmaker with a really strong style and that she could make this movie with the biggest movie star in the world and make it work to the extent that she has is something that should be singled well, out. The fact so. that he's in the movie is because of her. He knew her and he had turned this movie down and he only read the script because she was attached to the project. So that is uh, some testimony. Here's the deal, though. The Oscars tend to reward auteurs, really. They, they tend to go with the, with the writer-directors. So you're going to have Bong Joon-ho and Pedro Almodovar and Quentin Tarantino um, in the mix. And it's going to be hard for someone who, if it, in effect, was a director for hire uh, to, to get in there, even if they've done an extraordinary job. So that we should talk about another major film that was in the festival this year with a woman director because it's opening this week, and that's Hustlers, Lorena Scafaria's stripper movie. And um, obviously the whole J-Lo conversation is big around this thing, but I think there's more to get into here. And, and I have to say, here. I think this is a case of Toronto overhype. There's a headline, by the way, from Deadline, one of our sister publications from a few years ago, where they proclaimed that Jennifer Aniston broke out of Toronto as the star of cake, cake. You yes. know? <laughs> yeah well, so just keep did. that in mind she may have ended up at the golden globes that's what's going to happen to jennifer lopez 
Well, I have to tell you, I mean, Hustlers may not be a perfect movie. I had a really good time. It's fun. It. It's a commercial entertainment. I hope yeah. it does business for STX, which is not one of the companies that tends to put out a lot of Oscar contenders. And I, there is a poll quote going around calling it Scorsese and Stilettos that no. I love. I mean, no, no, no. But I think it's very, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, yes, there is a Scorsese-esque quality to the way this movie is directed. but It's in a, a bit very, manic. In, in, yeah, and, and I think that they did a good job of sort of capturing the ecosystem much in the way Magic Mike did without sort of turning it into, you know, a gross sex movie or something. And um, This isn't know, a I, gross sex well. movie. Not it, at all. It's entertaining, but I will say it's not that well written. It's not that well directed. J-Lo I think it is, is well amazing. She's fabulous. And, it's maybe and, over-directed, and, and but it's, it's a lot she of ca- She does it herself. She carries it. She takes her stardom and puts it in there. I'm not saying she isn't good. She's very good. But the movie around her is not very good. I don't don't agree. I think that the movie... The the characters are unbelievable, completely. They they, they don't register as real. Constance Wu is quite weak. I, I thought Constance Wu's character was... You know, the, there's a turning point in the movie where the recession kind of leads to her desperation, and but she is not the one responsible for the kind of you know scheme that they come up with. And that turning point, to me, when it arrives fairly late in the movie, was was credible in the way that it was set up. But uh, but I think it'll be interesting to see just how much people are responsive to this film. The the kind of backstory that it was made in February you know, in like eight weeks or something. It's kind of amazing when you consider how much movie there is there. I mean, the cast and the kind of the, just all the different locations and the, it's, it's a pretty big film. So um, it seems to be tracking fairly well, but I'll it's be curious It's going to do well at the box office. Uh, that's not, there's no argument for me. I get annoyed. Here's what I get annoyed by. I get annoyed by a movie plays well in Toronto. That means it's going to be an Oscar contender. It does not track that way every time and you have to take all of the buzz and the hype into consideration you just do there there is a case to be made that the difference between say the 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 situation you're citing which is um you know the the jennifer aniston thing you know which was like the just purely like an oscar thing like cake itself was not like being set up as a big movie neither is hustlers but hustlers is going to be a big is going to be a commercial movie already it's it's coming out like right now and the question is you know that was a great marketing ploy putting it in tiff i mean for supporting actress j-lo like that seems to me like that could happen it's a it's a long shot but it could happen so let's talk about um, an, another woman-directed film. They, they did pretty well on that front. Uh, Harriet, which which showed up relatively late in the festival, certainly a movie that isn't going to you know change the world from a storytelling standpoint, but it was good to see a Harriet Tubman biopic finally. And I, Cynthia Erivo is very good. Yeah, I'm, she's great. Cynthia Erivo is wonderful in the role, and it's a great heroic, athletic uh, role that that's long overdue, and I think African American audiences, especially, will just rally um, around this piece of their history that should be celebrated. I wish it was a better movie. That's all, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of um, it's another know, by the book. book. It's it's yeah. kind of like uh, just it's a good mercy. looking movie. It's yeah. very straight on. Um, and there's and, this whole thing at the end where it's like, oh, and by the way, she was a spy for the Union yeah, Army. Yeah, where's that <laughs> story? Like, I know. 
like start there. And where's but the that, second husband? It was like, I wanted more of that. But the, the She keeps going think, back and collecting people and coming back and collecting people. And it's mostly her family. I, I felt like the storytelling could have been better. The Barry Jenkins HBO miniseries, The Underground Railroad, will come out sometime Can't later. Wait. And I feel like this movie is sort of an on-ramp to that. No, I'm know? curious to see how Focus manages to to get this out and, and how far it goes. Cynthia Erivo is the real deal, though. Yeah, she's amazing in the movie. It's, and she's really, you know, she's, she's been in a, a, a theater star for a while, but it seems like this is like the moment to start recognizing that she's about to become a major movie star, too. So let's talk about the movies that... What about uh, Knives Out? What did you think of that? Not an Oscar uh, contender, obviously, but it's yeah. Ryan Johnson. I I mean, I have to tell you, Knives Out surprised me. I'm not like the biggest whodunit guy, but I enjoyed the way that it, it kind of, it, it assembles this very dense ensemble with some amazing actors across the board and Christopher Plummer is sort of the the patriarch of the family he's a crime novelist and he dies in the beginning and and then Daniel Craig shows up with this ridiculous sort of Kentucky foghorn accent as the investigator and it, it takes a little while to settle into it but once it does it's really really satisfying there's like all these different nasty characters in the movie and the way that it the sort of surprise of the film is that it ends up being more about the Trump era than it lets on at first. And it's a commentary on wealth and xenophobia because there's a, there's an immigration subplot and I don't want to give anything away because everybody's being super sensitive about it. But I think it's, it's in some ways his most satisfying film and should help sort of, you know, even further bolster his, his bona fides as, as this major Hollywood director after Star Wars. Well, so. one little piece of TIFF trivia is that it was a great year for Stephen Sondheim songs in movies. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's one in Knives here. Out, and there's two in Marriage Story, and there's one in Joker, Send in the Clowns. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be more obvious. Than that. Although um, I have to say, probably the, the use of it in Marriage Story with, with Adam Driver. Oh, huge. Huge moment. That's amazing. That's the moment get, that gets him the best actor Oscar if, if he beats Joaquin. That is. Seriously, that's the clip. Yeah. So here's the deal. You, you're left out my favorite movie of, of the whole it? festival what so far. It? Dolomite is my name, man. Dolomite is my name. <laughs> it's okay. It's nice to see Eddie Murphy being funny and charismatic. It's again. a real comeback for him. And it's also no, this it's great, great, enjoyable. diverse cast um, and this great setting and this all, you know, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaziski, who are some of the best screenwriters in Hollywood. They did Ed Wood, uh, you know, they... There's something very Ed Wood about yeah, this, actually. Yeah. It's like this, this, the genesis of a black exploitation auteur. It's, it's also d- disaster artists, obviously. A little bit of that, because he's, that's not, in a way, that's my least favorite part, is, is where he's, he's He's having trouble making his own movie. Oh, I loved it. I love the part where they talk about how hard it is to, to light a black face. They say, like, <laughs> white people reflect light. Black people absorb it. It's a gift. <laughs> That's a great moment. I mean, I, I know that Eddie Murphy is finally returning to stand-up next year, and this movie is going to be a nice way to reintroduce him to the world because it's it's all him. He's in, like, every scene and well, really kills it. Speaking of comebacks, I mean, what it's all about is narratives. You know, when you when does, does Eddie Murphy get to, 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 to be rewarded for this? I, I somehow 
doubt it. I mean, does does Adam Sandler get rewarded for Uncut Gems if enough people see the movie? These are two movies that were sort of um, Uncut Gems. And then there's Renee Zellweger's comeback narrative. Uh, right. For, there's for a Judy. lot of comebacks. So she got the big standing ovation, the big applause. Uh, so amplified. That's what, what happens at Toronto. Certain movies get amplified. And even if they started out in Venice or Telluride, here's where the big noise occurs. So that would be Judy, Marriage Story, Two Popes, Waves. Yeah, Waves got a huge, huge tip and reaction. Exactly what they wanted. Yeah. So yeah, a lot a lot of that stuff worked out pretty well versus say something like Goldfinch, which neither of us saw. We didn't go. <laughs> How did that happen? Something, it was the word on the street was just yeah, so negative. Got out early and and there was just a general sense that it wasn't going I'll and tell it, you a true story. Happened. I asked for tickets to a public screening of that movie. It wasn't the premiere but it was during the day. Warner Brothers told me they didn't have any tickets to give me. Well, they probably suspected that you were not going to be. I would be the right person to show that to. I'm willing to give it a chance. I just have to see it. You will see it. So that'll be an interesting one. I did go to Lucy in the Sky. So I I left before that screened. Is that out of the conversation now or what's the deal? Totally. Um, It's it's Noah Hawley of of Fargo fame from television. He's a great writer. He's really, really fun to, to, uh, he does unexpected comedic things, but he takes a true story in this case of uh, astronauts having sex. You know, it's Natalie Portman comes down from space and falls for this other astronaut played by John Hamm. And she's not able to deal with the reality of the world. Her husband, her niece who's visiting, her mother who's getting older. You know, she just, and and she wants to get back up into space. That's all she wants. And it's, it's all based on a true story of a woman who ended up doing this very long cross country drive wearing diapers she was so manic and so fierce and so mentally crazy. And there's no diapers, right, right, They right. didn't Everyone put any diapers cute. in this. And so well, that's just a metaphor back. for what they didn't do. In other words, this is not the true story. This is not the real right. story. This is a Hollywood fictionalized weirdo version that doesn't quite work. It seems to have been misconceived. I'll try to see it anyway. I'll see anything with that kind of space opera quality to it. And uh, Natalie Portman, you know, Maybe she, she, she and John she, Hamm do their best. Let's yeah, just, I'm curious enough about it. I would certainly catch up with it at some point. Um, and then, you know, the other movies that I think we should at least acknowledge didn't really take off at TIFF, even though they, they got bumps from Telluride, were Motherless Brooklyn, Aeronauts, and The Report. So, so Amazon isn't doing quite as well with their awards uh, candidates as The Report is a movie that everybody admires and, and respects and, and likes and, and appreciates. And it may very well play with the Academy, but it's certainly not one of the films that was talked about here. Nor and it's was another one I, I, I still need to see Report, so I'll have to catch up with that soon. Aeronauts, not a movie that is, I, I mean, I think it's a big screen or nothing kind of a thing. So, so the I fact guess, that they're putting it straight you know, on to the side after great. two weeks doesn't all right. So the other way to look at Toronto is that it's a marketplace and there were a lot, a ton of movies um, for sale here. And there were a bunch of sales that were pretty uh, small and expected. For example, something like Military Wives with uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, uh, which I really liked, actually. Sounds very bleak um, street. It's perfect for them. Yeah. It's perfect for the older female audience uh, in art house cinemas across the country. It'll do very well there. 
Um, it's sort of a ladies in lavender kind of movie. Uh, exactly right. And um, well, I um, was wondering. You saw Sounds of Metal too. with me, yeah. I think. Sound of Metal, I, I thought was was fantastic. It's Riz Ahmed really stepping up for this this really strong role. It's this guy who goes deaf from playing the drums and is resistant to trying to become a part of the deaf community and figuring out the next phase of his life. The sound design is fantastic. And it kind of felt like like an old school Sundance breakout kind of a movie, just a really polished first feature from Darius Martyr. And I don't know, I, I, I feel like if the deaf community, you know, is undisturbed, then this is a movie that should resonate for them. There's a marketing plan there. It should sell. The, it, it should, but it, but it, because of the, of the nature of the movie, and I do appreciate the innovative sound design, there's a lot of silence in the movie. And I think they, they may want to go back into the editing room and, and sort of try it, it's just a challenge to to make a movie like that uh give it a kind of propulsive narrative thrust it it it, it it's slow that's yeah, it's too bad opinion. i mean i I, I appreciate slow cinema in any kind of context <laughs> to me it felt fast <laughs> to me it felt fast by those standards but perhaps it's all it's all relative when it comes down to to what actually you can play in and theaters. then there was a movie called the friend there were a lot of movies as you said uh, directed by women this was a woman named gabriella coperthwaite who did a very good job uh with the story of of, of a triangle if you like of um a man who is played by um, Jason Siegel, who is the friend of a couple um, who are going through a tough time. It's um, Casey Affleck and Dakota Johnson, and Dakota Johnson has cancer, and she's dying, and the friend moves in to help them out. And it's really good. It's well done. I, did, I didn't see that one, but I, I heard you it know, different kinds yet. of reactions. Yeah. It sounded like, um, you know, I talked to some people who saw it and they said, you know, it's a cancer drama. Those are always difficult. Yes, so, yes. You know, it may end up thing. on, here's the deal. A lot of these movies are going to end up on TV. You saw Bad Education. I loved that movie and I was surprised that it divided people, but I'm curious to, to see how more people react to it as a however it gets out into the world i think it's the best we've seen hugh jackman perform in a really long time it's a it's a high school scam story that was a real thing that happened in the roslyn school district in long island where all these faculty or the superintendent and his assistant were like fleecing money off of of the school for years and nobody realized it turned out to be like millions of dollars and the way that it that scandal comes to light through a high school newspaper reporter. It's got a little bit of that election quality to it, but also it's, it's, um, it's a dark comedy, but it's also very much a window into how something like this can happen. And I thought for Corey Finley, who made thoroughbreds. It was, it was a terrific follow-up. It's really well done. So I don't know what the deal is with that movie, but it should sell. And I expect Well, it. the market was soft is the point. And some of the movies that did sell went to very small distributors for small amounts of money. And I think a lot of these movies are going to end up on streaming sites. And that's the question there is, what is the value that they get from that? And is it going to be enough to sustain these movies yeah. getting made? Where, what, what even is the, the, world the is changing of all this stuff? Yeah. yeah. Big questions, Anne. So next week... We'll get a chance to recover from all this stuff and look ahead to the rest of the fall. We've got New York Film Festival around the corner and, and other kinds of awards chatter that we can dig into a bit more. We haven't really talked about docs, foreign language, all that kind of stuff. So we'll get there. I hope you, I hope you get a chance to, to have at least one good night's sleep. In the you too, Eric. Before. You've been working your ass off. I'll give it a shot. Bye. All right. Safe travels. Thank you. You too. Bye.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.